What's up everybody? You are now tuned into the So Dope Podcast And I'm your host, Alex Chadwick What's happening in? What's up man? Welcome to the show, welcome to the show Wow, it's been a long, long time before I've been on the air I have not done a podcast show in a while um, And I apologize for that But life has been a little bit uh, busy for me But I'm not going to bore you with what has happened in the past, I don't know what, month or so. It feels like two months since I've done a podcast. So I'm not going to, you know, go through everything that has been happening uh, in those one or two months. So however long it's been, I know a lot of people thought I was off the air, but I am not. The So Dope Podcast is here. And there's been a lot of stuff that has happened since my last show. Um, I mean, we've had... Wow, we've had a lot of stuff. We've had a lot of stuff happen. Um, you know, on the on the social plane, you know, we've had, you know, uh, the right for ref- uh, the 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 righteous reform of policing, um, other police shootings. We've had the Derek Chauvin trial for George Floyd. Uh, we still had protests. We've we've had a lot of stuff, man. We've had. Uh, developments in space we've we've talked about aliens we've we've done we've done a lot in the past two months um and normally the format of the show i would normally come out and i would talk about those things uh weekly or multiple times a week but i just didn't get a chance to do that so one of the things i want to talk about today is um i want to talk about experiences and different experiencing different cultures um from a a social and a racial context, right? And I want to talk a little bit about my perspective and an experience that I had recently. Um, for those of you listening around the world, I currently, I, I am living in um, Portland, Oregon. Um, and most people that watch the news and the media have seen Portland, Oregon, and they have um, come up with their own assumptions about what Portland, Oregon is. And, That's based off of what they're seeing on the media and the world. Uh, And a lot of that is true. And there's some that can be misleading and misguiding to some people. So if you know the state of Oregon, um, Portland is the the largest, I guess, say populated area. Um, And I think it's the only metro area in the state. Once you get outside of the Portland metro area and the surrounding suburbs, uh, it becomes a lot more rural, becomes a lot more country, you know, with less people and the views and the values, uh, they changed quite a bit. And this past weekend or last weekend, um, I went out to the most Eastern Northeastern tip of the state, uh, in a place called enterprise, Oregon. Um, if anybody's familiar with that, you're probably thinking to yourself, why, (laughs) why would you go out there, Alex? Why would you go out to enterprise, Oregon? Right. Uh, well, um, I went out there because I was doing some uh, I was getting the firearms, some firearms training in addition to a certification for my for my personal business. Um, But I went out there and uh, it was about a six hour drive. And I think I had about four of those hours on the main freeway. Once I got off the freeway, it was literally almost two hours of driving through the mountains. I mean, through the rural small towns. And I seen all the all the Trump paraphernalia. I seen all the the conservative right wing paraphernalia. 
um, which I expected, right? So I say I get there, um, and immediately the first people that I met, they literally walked towards me and uh, came and shook my hand and introduced themselves. And, you know, we talked and the day went on and we did the training and, and, and there were times where we cracked jokes with each other uh, <clears throat> to the point that that we even, you know, one of the ladies who was teaching the class, we even hugged each other. Right. Um, so I bring that up to say this and I don't want to uh, keep it long, but I definitely want to give some some perspective on this. I was the only black man. I, I'm pretty sure I was the only black man within, I would say, a, a few hundred miles. I say, I say, I say, I, I say I was probably the only black man within at least 200 miles of where I was at. In my, I mean, I didn't see one black person in this town, right? And it's a small town, I think of like 1,500 people. So anyways, the day goes on, we're going through training, we're cracking jokes, even to the point to where, you know, we cracked jokes in this, and, and, and I was hugging the lady who was doing the class during the joke because we thought it was so funny and we ended up hugging each other, right? These are all white people. So I say that to say because going into a place like that is something I'm not used to, right? Especially out here in Oregon. Like like back home, you know, we, we, we maneuver those places all the time. But being here in Oregon, it wasn't something that I was used to. I was more so in the metropolitan area, never went out to these places. But these places that uh, this place that I went and many, many others like it, there are people back in the, in the metro area who think that going to these areas is like going into the boogeyman land. Right. Like, oh, my God, all the white supremacists out there. Oh, they're going to get you all oh, this and that. And there's a fear of that. Right. There's a fear of going out to those places. We know those people are ultra right wing, ultra conservative folks, Republicans, Trump supporters, whatever you want to call it. Right. So people that may lean to the left or liberals or, or live inside the city, they are afraid to interact with these people. Um, one, because of conditioning, right? We've all have some kind of conditioning. I mean, don't think that I didn't think to myself or I had some kind of contemplation when I seen all the Trump stuff, right? But I expected it. I prepared myself for it. But even Still, I have had some conditioning around these folks that live out in these areas. Right. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't scared, um, but I expected it. But the people back in the metro area there, whether they say it or not, they're terrified of this of this culture that's out there. They're terrified of that lifestyle. Right. Um, so there's never a chance for people to understand similarities because we've been conditioned to understand and engage and react to differences. So just as well as the people that are in the metro area, they don't want to, 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 to go out to these secluded places because of what they believe about these folks. The folks that are in the rural areas and the places like Enterprise, Oregon, they don't want to come to the city either because what they see on the news is whether it be rioting or looting or, you know, violence and things like that, they don't want to interact. And rightfully so on both sides, that's their right. But one of the things that I've discovered in my lifetime, more so in the past weekend, too, is that because people, excuse me, because people don't want to, um, they don't want to engage with each other, there's always going to be this separation, right? So there's always going to be these assumptions. There's always going to be these prejudices. There's always going to be that. For me personally, like 
going into those areas in a rural area in, in Eastern Oregon, I like guns, right? I'm a gun advocate. I'm not a gun nut, but I, 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 I believe in the Second Amendment and I'm a veteran. So when I'm out there, I know that I'm going to connect with at least one person because I have something in common, which is usually the gun talk, right? Usually liking guns, understanding guns and being a an expert on guns. It allows me to connect with something in that culture, something in an environment. Now, someone who is wholeheartedly from the metro area may not be able to get that experience, but they're also going to walk around with their guards up because um, they feel like this is not the place for me. Now, when I got there, um, you know, even when I was going about the town, I kid you not, people were extremely helpful to me. You know, it felt like almost like I was back in the South, like. You know, the, the the cashier was calling me, hun, like, hey, hun, you want a bag? Hey, hun, you want a receipt? Right. And this is this is coming from a white person that people in the metro area say it's different out here. And these people are racist. Right. But for me, I got to find out for myself. Right. Was I shocked that they called me that? No, I, I honestly I'll be honest with you. all I felt like I was back at home in the South. I'm from Louisiana. I felt like that's where it was because even though people might have their own political views, their morals, their values, they they treat each other the same for the most part, right? I'm going to tell you why I say that and why that's important to mention it is because when I'm back in the Portland metro area, that's when I feel like and I've experienced where white people have been the most dismissive, Right? The most dismissive uh, and the most passive to me has been in the Portland metro area. So I say that because for me, my experience here in the Northwest, in Oregon particularly, all the people who have treated me the worst, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, and I and I ain't trying to offend nobody. So if you listening and you fall within this category, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just telling you my experience and my perspective. And hopefully you can and, 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 and don't believe that I'm the exception. This is almost normal for a lot of people, especially people of color that live here, especially black people. The most the, the, the place that the place that I've had the most dismissive um, and, and passive interactions with people has been in the metro area. By white people, which I can see are predominantly white liberals, right? And that is very, very confusing for me. And it's very irritating for me that I'm like, wait a minute, I, I don't get it. You know, you hear a lot of, you go to these people's neighborhoods, you got Black Lives Matter signs, you got all this. I'm in the North neighborhood. If anybody's familiar with it, I'm gonna mention it, but people around the world, y'all probably understand. I'm in the North neighborhood in the in the in the Killingsworth, Vancouver area, sometime the Northeast neighborhoods. And I spent a lot of time there, actually. And um I've walked past white people, you know, and they have damn near broke their their necks not trying to look at me to make eye contact, to even say hello. I've said hello to white people in those neighborhoods, and I have not there have been there have been quite a few times that they have not returned the greeting to me right or they would try to get on the other side of the street to avoid you all together right now for those of you who don't know i won't say who i work for or what i do um particularly or specifically but let's just say i'm in law enforcement and when i'm out 
doing law enforcement duties, y'all, um, there is no there. All I'm going to tell you is this. I've been cussed out. I've been called a lot of names by white people who I can safely assume are white liberals um, because of what I was what I represent as a profession as well. Um, so I think that this is important to say because. There is a divide. The country is essentially divided. I mean, whether we want to admit that or not, the country is essentially divided. Um, and we're basically divided between political establishments of who's a Democrat, who's a Republican, who's liberal, who's conservative. That's the truth. Right. And I think that there is a middle ground. I don't claim to be a uh, I don't claim to be a, a Democrat or Republican because I believe and based on my my life and what I choose to do, I have some conservative views and I have some liberal views. So I don't go to one extreme or the next saying, oh, I'm this or I'm that. Right. Um, so I think that's important because everybody's afraid of what they don't know. So here I am in Enterprise, Oregon. Right. This is a trip you out here. I am in Enterprise, Oregon. I knew people. I met people there. They were carrying three guns on them. You hear me? Three guns. They're carrying three guns on them, like two on their hip, one in their ankle. And that surprised me because their mentality is and they're saying out loud, they're saying, yeah, the violence is coming to these areas. And I'm like, eh, I just don't see that, you know, like your chance of having a mob attack you in Enterprise, Oregon, in the middle of no effing where is very, very slim. The most you might get to an active shooter is when when Billy goes after uh goes after uh Geraldine's uh uh little side piece boyfriend in 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 the local supermarket because he found out that they were cheating and he go after him with a gun and start shooting. That's the, probably the closest you go. <laughs> that's probably the closest you go to get to an active shooter in Enterprise, Oregon, or in these rural areas. I'm just I'm just spitting the facts, but because of the media. Because of social media, even the people that live in these rural areas, they are all geared up. They're all tuned up thinking that it's going to come to their front door. And the chances of that happening is very, 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 very slim. I mean, it is like it's it's not it's, it's almost a non possibility. I'm just being real about it. I don't know any mob of people. Correct me if I'm wrong. And, and I can, I don't know any mob of people that would drive six hours from Portland to the middle of nowhere to go talk about protests and looting stuff. What are you going to get? What are you going to get? What are you going to get from Enterprise Oregon? What are you going to do to scare those folks? There's nothing you could. There's nothing you could do. These nobody's going to waste that much time, right? The breeding ground, the, the the fighting ground for for all the protests and the rioting stuff is in the metro area. So I say that because these people are extremely afraid of what they see on the news as well. Just as well as the people on the left are afraid of what they see on the news. Right. So you got these these this polarization and it causes us to have this implicit bias. So when you see that big old fat white dude with the big old red beard in his big old lifted truck. Right. You automatically, you know, your hair, you know, your, your, your radar goes off because guess what? That's one of my biases. That's something I've had to check time and time and time again is that bias. Right. So my encouragement is for people to get out and start engaging with each other um, and seeing what the differences are, 
But when we're, when we're discovering those differences, looking at what do we have in common, right? What do we have in common? That is important. Um, so I, I, I just had to bring this experience up because I just had to bring this experience up because I think that people should know and understand um, why you see this polarization, why we see this division. Right. And, and, and also ultimately why this will never change. This would never change. Absolutely not. Never change. There's nothing like, I mean, this would have to be something. This would have to be something um, very miraculous that happens um, in order for you to see some kind of change because people in the metro area, they ain't going to explore the, the, the rural areas of Oregon. Right. And the people that are out there, they afraid to come inside of the city because of what it is. So, you know, I think it's important for us to really dive into that and to really talk about that. Um, it's, it's very, very, very interesting to me. And when you have these experiences, if you are mature enough, if you are objective enough, you will see that, man, we all people, man, we all alike, you know, and the construct of racism, and politics and all that stuff is what's really, really tearing us down. I mean, it is extremely tearing us down. As a black man, as a Muslim, as an American, um, you know, looking at this from a holistic view, things will never change. I feel like things will never change. You know, sometimes the faith is high, sometimes the faith is low. But I feel like sometimes things will never change. They, I feel like they will never change because of knowing that both sides, right? Knowing that both sides, they, they don't understand each other and they don't want to understand each other. So there will be no change. And everybody think like one side think that they're the most correct and they're the most right. And, and, and nobody else could be right. This is how this goes. You know, this is how this happens. Hey, I'm the only person that's right. You know, those damn, I mean, if I told you how many times I heard those damn liberals you know, when I was out there, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that that phrase, I, I could probably pay, pay my rent, honestly. Um, so it's interesting. You know, um, there was a time there, there was a, it was interesting. Don't get me wrong. There if 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 I would have bought uh, 15 other black men and women with me in that town, particularly 1500 people or 2000 people, whatever it is, don't get me wrong. I'm not oblivious to implicit bias, right? Yes, they dealt with one black man for a weekend in their town. But I I, I would have to, in my opinion, assume, and I think I'm, I'm kind of in the right path and direction if I assume until they prove me wrong. If I was to bring another 15, 20 black men and women into that town, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that there would be some, um, there would be some people, uh, trying to figure out what the hell is going on over here. Anybody that disagrees with that, I think you you have horrible emotional intelligence. You have you have horrible intelligence period. If you don't think that it would be any different. So don't think that I'm just like, "Oh yeah, I went over here with all these white folks and uh they treated me like a good old black man and uh yeah, there's no racism and uh there's no implicit bias in America cuz I just proved it with this one place in uh in Oregon." I can't say that, y'all. I can't say that. I'm not I'm not that stupid. I live on both sides of this of this social construct that we call race. And 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 
and the even the profession that I have, I can see things from so many different angles. So so don't think that I'm on here saying, oh yeah, you know, end all be all. You know, there's no racism. There's no this. I'm not doing that because I know what the real. I know what it is. Because guess what? If I ain't experiencing it in rural Oregon, rural Oregon, y'all know I be getting my words mixed up. If I ain't experiencing it out in the boonies just for this one weekend, I can guarantee you I'm experiencing it in Portland, the metro area. That's a fact. That's a fact right there. You know what I mean? Um, so at the end of the day, man, we just got to, you know, I think love is, 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 a, is a genuine term, but I think it's being thrown around in a way that it doesn't mean anything, right? It doesn't mean anything. When people say love each other, they just say love people that look like you. Love people that think like you, right? Love people that do the same things that you do. That's how love is thrown around. Nobody, nobody talks about, well, can you love and help someone that doesn't think like you, that doesn't believe what you believe, right? That may not have the same um, values that you have. Can you actually love and help someone that doesn't look like you? That doesn't sound like you? That doesn't believe what you believe? Can you actually do that? So I think we all have um, we have some we, we all have a performative characteristic about us, no matter what. We all have a something of performative element in us, no matter who you are, because we say things that I believe we don't always mean all the time. That's all of us. Every one of us. Me, too. So it, 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 it's 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 uh, it would be very wise of us to do a lot of self-reflection. And I am working on that every day. Self-reflection, self-reflection. Who am I? But how do I relate to other people? You know, what influence do I have on other people's lives? What do other people think about me? Right. It's always something to think about. How do how does my uh, whether it be political or religious or social beliefs affect me? Now, I don't watch the news like I used to. I just can't do it. I just can't. I cannot watch the news like I used to. I still watch it, but I watch it for pure entertainment as I've always had. But when I, I, I try to put myself in the shoes of the people who have the more radical political views and I could clearly see why the liberals and the conservatives and the Republicans and the Democrats, these people that follow these particular school of thoughts, I can see why they are so crazy. I'm not trying to offend nobody. I can see why they're so crazy and so fanatical about it, right? I'm going to talk about it in another show, but politics, I'm going to say this, and I hopefully I can close my show out, but politics exposes cognitive dissonance in all of us. It exposes it, right? Because let's think about this. Trump was in office for four years, right? And you had people, you had people, Talking about, oh, my God, Trump has all these brown kids, all these brown kids and adults stuck in cages. The children are in cages. The children are in cages. Get these kids out of cages. Then Biden gets on the scene. The border crisis starts to get even worse. And these kids are even even worse conditions. At the same time, we're in the middle of a pandemic, they say. And they talking about the coronavirus and this and that. But they got these people literally in cages. Packed, packed in there like sardines, y'all. But now, since Biden's in office and people can see this crisis has evolved, 
most of the fanatical people on the left, they shut the hell up. They don't even talk about it in the news, on social media, in everyday life. People just don't, they don't even, they don't even freaking mention what has happened. But for four years or three years or two years or however long it was, this was a talking point for the left. So in my opinion, it is exposing our cognitive dissonance. Like, what do you want to talk about now? Okay, let's talk about police brutality, you know, blah, blah, blah. People getting shot and killed by the police. Let's do that. But anything, see, here's the thing, because Biden, had, just like any politicians, whether Republican or Democrat, they open their mouths so big that they can't deliver on what they, they tell people. But if we're looking at the, the, the border from a humanity crisis, like it's an actual humane, humane crisis at the border of America right now, and the most fanatical people, the people that support Democrats, don't get me, y'all heard me talk about, don't, if you show first, first of all, let me get this disclaimer. If this is your first time listening to my show, I don't want you to think that I'm a Republican or a Democrat, because if you go back and listen to a lot of other episodes, I give it both ways. OK, I try to give this objective review or perspective of it. So long if it's your first time, listen, don't come up here thinking I'm some Republican. I ain't no Republican and I ain't no Democrat. But right now it's the season to talk about the Democrats. Right. It's the season to talk about the liberals because I'm like, y'all ain't saying nothing. They got on the scene. Joe Biden got up there grandstanding with Kamala Harris talking about, oh, she's in charge and this and that. And now she ain't in charge no more. And then she's in charge. Like, come on, man. This is ridiculous. If the American people, black, white, yellow, brown, green, don't matter who you are, what race you are, if you're a citizen of this country and you follow politics and you that fanatic about it and you can't see how both sides are playing us, then I think, right, this is when I, this is now, this is, this is going to offend some people and I don't really care, right? But this is my perfect example. My wife says this all the time. She said, Alex, just because people are educated, that don't mean that they have common sense. That don't mean that they are actually smart. And they can actually decipher things in the world. So there's a lot of people with great credentials, right? I mean, awesome credentials, bachelors, masters, doctorates, all kinds of certifications, great careers. But when it comes to this politics stuff, it's ridiculous. It's almost like, you know, people will explain and this is on both sides. People will try to explain away something or either not say something, nothing at all. Like you can clearly see how obvious, like a great example is the pandemic in itself. Right. We out here talking about, oh, mask up, get vaccinations, this and that. But then you got kids that are playing contact sports. And I'm like, can someone explain this to me? And no one can explain it. Because guess what? Those kids, those parents are not in those in bubbles in, in all high school districts of America, all college districts of America. These people are not in bubbles. And then when they get to the damn sideline or wherever to the bench of whatever sport they're playing, they tell them to put on a mask. Do you understand? Do you if anybody don't understand what the hell I'm saying? I'm sorry. Someone, please write the show. So podcast at Gmail dot com. Please explain this to me. It doesn't make logical sense. But these are people who have some of the best credentials and degrees in the world, have some of the best careers in the world. But for a logical person sitting down like, OK, so you tell me I got a mask up, I got a social distance, da, 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 da. But you got people playing sports, contact sports, <laughs> contact sports that don't live in the bubble. It's not regulated. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
So before I go down the rabbit hole of the vaccination and, and, and the coronavirus and all that, I'm not going to do that. Right. And when it comes to being vaccinated or not, that's your choice, whether you do it or whether you don't do it. I've gotten to that point in this in this in this process where I'm like, if you want to get vaccinated, cool. If you don't. Great. But on either side, don't don't try to beat up the next person because they don't want to or they want to. Right. That's your prerogative. Oh, man, we living in some strange time. I don't went all the way from rednecks all the way to all kind of stuff. But um, but anyways, to kind of bring this back and loop this back around to what I was talking about. Um, if you ask me, is, is America a racist country? The answer is yes. And I've explained this on many shows before. If you haven't seen it, uh, Kamala Harris, she just said America's not a racist country, but we do have to talk about uh, racism in a historical context, blah, 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 to where we are today. I am trolling with that video because I thought it was funny. Um, I've given many reasons why I say America is a racist country. And it starts with our very founding and sacred document, which is the Constitution of the United States and the Declaration of Independence. But I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Not going to do it. And if you don't agree, that's fine. Um, if you want to talk about it more, hit me up. I would love to talk to you about that. I don't even want to change your perspective. But if you let me explain, then let me explain. And if you tell me why it's not, I would be glad to listen. Right. But I guarantee you there's going to be truths on both sides. Right. It's going to be truths on both sides. And hopefully we can understand each other a little bit better because at the truth, the truth of the matter is this country was never built for black and brown people, indigenous people. None of that stuff. It was never built for that. And we have to acknowledge that. Um, so anyways, everybody is not everybody's not doing what everybody else is doing. OK, like just because a person is a Republican. That don't mean that they're racist just because a person is a Trump supporter. That don't mean that they're racist just because a person says black lives matter. That don't mean that they are running around looting and shooting and doing all kind of crazy stuff in the city. That's not what that means. Just because a person is a black person don't mean that they automatically hate white people just because a person is a law enforcement officer doesn't mean that they are racist. A lot of bias, but that don't mean that they are racist. Just because you see interactions with the police that may have caused uh, a critical incident doesn't mean that it stemmed from racism. Right now, there's a lot of people blaming things on white supremacy. Everything's about white supremacy. But I can go down a rat. I can go real deep about why everything is not about white supremacy. And I'm going to do a show, hopefully in the next week, exclusively about accountability. Right. Or what I would like to call responsibility and reform. Right. Accountability. Responsibility and reform. Like we have to talk about that. But the agendas are so grand, y'all. The agendas are so grand that that they don't want you to think about anything else besides what they put on your plate to eat. That's it. And I find that so fascinating that we 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 just pivot and we turn and we do everything that they tell us to do and we watch whatever they tell us to watch. So all my black people are everything is not about exclusively about white supremacy can we tie a lot of things to what we consider as white supremacy with social issues probably yeah we could we could tie a lot most not even probably yes we can tie a lot but there's some things that we got to talk about 
being responsible. Every white cop is not a racist. Let me say that again. Every white cop is not a racist. Right. Every black person is not a threat. This goes both ways. And we need to share our perspective. We need to share our experiences. We need to stop um, closing ourselves off from each other and other cultures. Just as well as there are white folks and black folks and people say, well, hey, why don't white people come in and get a little bit more cultural competency? The same thing applies because here's the thing. People say the dominant culture. What is the dominant culture? So I don't even want to use that anymore, but I do. I think the same responsibility should be up on us to go into these other places and cultures and say, what y'all doing over here, bro? And figure it out and try to find some kind of common ground with each other. This hate, we are living in a time right now where hate is the number one uh, dictator. Oh, I'm not even going to say hate. I'm going to say ignorance. Ignorance is the number one um, dictator and variable that has caused us in this country to be divided. Now, some people say it's been white supremacy. It's been white supremacy. It's been white supremacy. That plays into it. But here's the thing. I've come to the grip that if this is what white supremacy is, and we're talking about how we're going to tear down these systems, guys, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, you had the civil rights movement. And yet here we are right now. I think CNN is going to do a really good piece on um, Marvin Gaye's uh, What's Going On album. If you never heard that album, it's very short, but it came out in a time where the, the country was in a really bad place, just like it is right now. And I look back on that, what, 50 years ago, 50 something years ago when the album came out and you listen to the songs, everybody know the song, what's going on, what's going on. There's an album that's connected to that and it sounds all together, but it's really not. It's different songs. But when you listen to what's going on and you fast forward to today, we are doing and experiencing the same things over and over and over and over again. So when I look at us being in a performative state, even I'm talking about us privileged Negroes, we can be very performative. Back then, people were losing their lives for real. And they were willing to die for real. A lot of people don't want to hear me say this, but it was worse back then. There's been some great strides. Like, I don't fear walking outside. I don't fear going next to white people or going eat in a restaurant. Those people who were doing, you know, those people who marched, who was who 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 were during the civil rights era, who were beaten, who were spit on, who were killed, who had food thrown on them who were disrespected, who couldn't even drink out the same water fountain, who couldn't even enter the restaurant from the front, who couldn't sit at the same table. Do y'all understand? That was like 50, 60 years ago. I ain't dealing with that right now. There's some more subtle stuff, but those people back then, Martin Luther King, John Lewis's, right? The Jesse Jacksons, the Al Sharp, all those people, Right. That were that were during that that time of the civil rights. They they endured way more than the generations that came after them ever endured. I'm sorry. I know people don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. And we got to acknowledge that. But yet subversively or, 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 or what is it? Uh, covertly, 
we deal with some of that, what they call white supremacy or dominant cult. We still deal with it. So my question in my head is like, damn, as, 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 a, as, a, as a privileged Negro, what I say, like, the question is, are you willing to die? For, are you willing to die? And I can tell you right now, the question, the, the answer for the majority of us privileged Negroes is no. No one want to know why? Because a lot of a lot of privileged Negroes don't even want to give up their job to fight it. Right. And I, and I know that sounds confusing to people like you got people that are scared to lose their jobs instead of speaking up against it. In their workplace, y'all hear me talk about this all the time. I talk about this on Facebook all the time. There are people that are not willing to, to lose their jobs, let alone lose their life. So we have to ask ourselves a question. Are you willing to die? Are you willing to die? Do you feel that oppressed? Are you willing to die? Are you willing to go out and do whatever it takes? And if it means giving your life, are you willing to do that? That is a real question. Otherwise, we ain't doing nothing. We're not doing nothing. All we're doing is barking and talking. Barking, barking, barking and talking, okay? We're not doing nothing. This shit is performative, man. We are extremely performative if we're doing that. And I and I and I and I say that because like, am I oppressed? No. But I'm not gonna marginalize people who have been oppressed or or is being oppressed. I'm not gonna marginalize their experience, but I'm gonna talk about the people that I know that in my peer group. That are experiencing the same, like us professional Negroes. That's what I'm talking about. We are privileged. Just being in our positions and being the professional people that we are, we are inherently privileged ourselves. So what do we do? We say, okay, we in this, we in these systems. We got to change these systems. But then they say, well, you know, you should say or do so and so. And guess what happens? <clears throat> they don't say nothing. They don't say nothing because they don't want to lose their jobs. But if you ain't willing to lose your life Like for real, for real Then we ain't doing nothing We ain't doing nothing Because if, it, if there's that, that, that much oppression Right We could fight for other people, right Let's fight for other people that are oppressed But if, I, if I'm walking around talking about how much of a victim I am And how oppressed I am Then I'm going to tell you right now I'm ready to die I'm ready to get my Like anybody In the spirit of Nat Turner Damn it in the spirit of Nat Turner, if people feel that oppressed, at some point, they are going to lash out. And we have seen that in recent times. But for us professional Negroes, we can't be that oppressed. We can't be that tired in our spaces because guess what? We're not tired enough where we have said, okay, let's quit with our performative bullshit, right? Let's quit with it. What are we going to actually do to influence things? We can get inside of meetings and talk all day long. We could do that all day. But at the end of the day, when you walk away from your organization, when you're a regular person, when you look at the scope of the socials, of the social foundations and, and, and constructs of, of, of America, are you willing to die? Our ancestors, people, you know, people got these little sayings and these memes and these T-shirts and stuff. They, they go up and they hold up guns and they say, um, we are not our ancestors. I know we not our ancestors and I hate that meme. I hate that, that, that kind of rhetoric that black folks are saying, saying step up because we are, uh, uh, try me if you want, but we are not our ancestors. Listen to me. I'm going to say this so I can make it clear. Of course, we're not our ancestors. And I don't think we are as strong as our ancestors, 
Because right now, these generations that came long after couldn't endure that. They couldn't endure it. We can't even endure this. <laughs> we can't even endure this without, 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 without running around talking about how bad it is. And it can be bad, but not for all of us. That's the thing. Everybody say, you're black. You must be oppressed. You poor thing. No, man, look, I want to help people. I want to uh, bridge the gap of ignorance and implicit bias between certain groups of people and certain races of people. But I have a privilege. I have an opportunity where I can do that. That don't mean that I'm the one that's being oppressed or being oppressed or so much discriminated against. It's not like that all the time. I know people are not going to agree with this. I already know it. I already know it. But if you could, just for a quick second, just think, just empathize with me for a second and actually examine yourself. If you are a professional Negro, now note, I didn't use the word uppity. I'm going to say professional. And I'm talking about all those professionals who's making in the upper five-figure, six-figure salaries, right? But yet, <clears throat> there are a few of us that come out and talk about how victimized they are by the systems that we're that we that are surrounding us but yet we're making good money we have an opportunity to help and change people we are going to deal with the with 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 some discrimination right we're going to deal with some of that we're going to deal with with the with the weight of the system but at some point we have to ask ourselves are we willing to die to change it if if <laughs> If we are not saying that, then I guess there's no we're just going to keep repeating this because our generation, because of our lack and willingness to actually die, we're going to breed another generation that's not willing to sacrifice anything. And then we're going to breed another generation that's willing to not sacrifice anything. We talk about reparations. We say, give us this. Give us that. How long the hell we been asking for that? We've been asking for reparations for I don't know how many hundreds of years. A long time. Do y'all think we're going to get it? Hell no, I don't think we're going to get it. In the meantime, I'm going to play by they. I'm going I'm going to beat them by their books and their own rules. So this doesn't happen in a vacuum, but I, I, I strongly encourage us professional Negroes to really examine ourselves. Look at who we are. Look at our privilege that we have. And we use that privilege to help each other. But at the same time, watch what we are planting in our subconscious and in our consciousness about who we are. And are we are we extremely victimized or not? I don't walk around like a victim. I can't. Have I experienced things that have not been pleasant and uncomfortable with me when it deals with whether it be discrimination, bias or uh, the implications of racism? Yes. But even still, you're not about to get, I'm not about you not about to see me crawling no little hole talking about poor me, poor me, poor me. These rice, these racist white folks, this, that and the other. I ain't got time for that. I got a show that I'm going to make this week, especially on, on a professional level for us, professional Negroes and people of color about confidence and what that means to someone else and why you should never lack confidence and why you should always build your confidence. Because for me. I overcome a victim mentality with confidence in my experience and my perspective. I don't have time to be, oh, look what they're doing to me now. No, if you're going to bust me upside the head, I'm about to bust your ass upside the head. 
whatever that means to anybody. I don't mean that in a physical or, or actual tangible sense. I mean, like if you do something where you're trying to hurt me or you're doing something, I'm going to work to try to figure it out and do it to you, too. That's just the way that's just the way, <laughs> that's just the way I think. But you're not going to uh, uh, the day the day that I played a victim. Right. The day that I played a victim, me personally, I can't speak for anybody else, is the day that I feel like I'm dead. The day that I might as well be dead. So for me, if you racist or you got all this bias, I'm not I'm my only sole purpose in life is to come around you with extreme confidence. And from what I've experienced, that confidence makes them uncomfortable. So I don't even want to go down a rabbit hole of that. Oh, man, here I am approaching a 45 minute mark. That was not my intentions. But I hope that y'all enjoy the show, man. Please write into the show to so dope podcast at gmail.com. Tell me what you think of this particular segment uh, talking about the rednecks and the racism and having these experience with all these different cultures and um, all these different environments that are not things that I am used to. I'm going to encourage y'all to to love one another. Um, there is a you know what? I always say I haven't read this statement in probably months, but now I'm going to pull it out. Because I haven't read it <clears throat> and I really mean it. I'm going to read this. Um, let me see if I can pull it up here. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Wait a second. So I usually I, I would usually read um, something um, in my podcast and I don't know why. I don't know why this is not. Oh, it's in my other email. Sorry about that, y'all. But I usually read. I, I used to read something in the very beginning of my or the very end of my show and i wrote it as a as a statement um to 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 encourage people and to keep people um completely engaged with um to keep people completely engaged with to keep people completely engaged with uh where they are and um you know the things that we should be thinking about um with each other let me see if i can find it oh here it is so and i'm gonna end my show on this and i think i need to start incorporating this again but love is real i believe that love is real find a way to foster unity and love everywhere you are don't be afraid to speak up when you see injustice and despair seek to find true balance and don't just stay in your box talking to people who will only validate what you feel and what you believe to grow we must challenge ourselves Thank y'all for tuning in to this episode of the Soul Dope Podcast. Peace.